Good morning, Orlando. Great to be back with you after Thanksgiving here at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday. Time for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Melissa Fox. Our top stories this morning is cold outside. And the Parkland teachers have been reassigned. We'll have details on those stories and more coming up in one minute. And coming up as well, my take and yours on the border showdown and a live report from the border with Mexico. All in this half hour of Good Morning Orlando. 602 on News Radio 93.1. As I said, that cold weather is arriving here in Florida. Meteorologist Andrew McCone at the National Weather Service says we can expect an overnight chill as well. Towards the city and the, and the coastal regions, probably more like low, for, low to mid 40s for um, lows um, Tuesday night and, and Wednesday night. Especially along Central Gulf Coast, it'll creep into the cities too. Currently, as I said, it's 52 outside our studios here in Maitland. We're chilly? all a bunch of wimps. We're all going <laughs> to die. <laughs> they could be in Chicago. Remember, they got hammered, the upper Midwest. Wow. What a what an end of Thanksgiving weekend uh, travel nightmare for us. <laughs> so, and relatively speaking, I think we're in pretty good shape. I think so, too. The news <laughs> is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. School Superintendent Robert Runcy is making administrative changes at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School following recommendations from the MSD Public Safety Commission. And we are going to go through the process that we have here for dealing with employees based on our expectations of what they should be able to do and actions that they should have taken. Assistant principals Jeff Mortford, Winfred Porter Jr. and Denise Reed, along with security specialist Kelvin Greenleaf, have been reassigned to other Broward School locations. The full interim report from the commission is expected in January. Orange County deputies are looking for fake cops who committed a violent home invasion. Detectives say masked and armed men broke into a Windermere home yesterday morning and robbed a woman and her two young children. The suspects, including one with an ID tag saying SWAT, stole jewelry before getting away. There have been other recent robberies in Windermere. It is not clear if these crimes are connected. Another child is dead of a flu-related illness here in Florida. This is the second pediatric fatality in the state. While the health department is not saying where the child lived, it does say he was not vaccinated. Steps are being taken to prepare for a blast of winter weather in Volusia County. Overnight temperatures, as I said, were going to drop, and we're talking into the 30s tonight as highs will struggle to reach 60 tomorrow. The city of DeLand announced yesterday they're going to open a cold weather shelter tonight at 7 o'clock at the Chisholm Center on South Clara Avenue. Halifax Urban Ministries is also working to secure dozens of beds for homeless folks for the next couple of nights. Two tourists are facing criminal charges after they rented high-powered sports cars and allegedly used the overseas highway as their personal racetrack. A Monroe County Sheriff's Office deputy clocked the 20- and 22-year-old zipping in and out of traffic at nearly 110 miles per hour. I mean, you're talking about the road that goes down and in hopscotches over the Keys all the way to Key that, West? That nine-mile deal, oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. They were behind the wheels of a red Lamborghini and a yellow Ferrari. The duo finally pulled into the Highway Patrol substation in Marathon and were then charged with participating in an unlawful race and reckless driving. Looking at sports, the Magic lead heading into the fourth quarter, and then, boom, outscored by 10 in the final 12 minutes. They lost to the Warriors 116-110 to in Oakland. Oh, 
That's too bad. They it is off. too bad, but you know what? They're competitive more nights than not, don't you think? And they're, you know, I mean, it's not a great season, but I've, I'm more hopeful than I've been about the Magic in quite a number of years. I wonder if the six-game road trip was just too much time away from home. It's really tough when you got to go all the way across the country, they say. No mm-hmm. question about it. Yaffe, you're a huge Magic fan. You feeling better about this team than in recent years, despite their struggles? You know, I haven't kept up with it as much as I should yeah. as a loyal Magic fan. Yes. But from what I've heard, they're doing. I mean, they beat the Lakers twice. Oh, yes. So that's good. Well, you've been pouring all your energies into your UCF Knights as a grad, you know. <laughs> right. So and I understand that. To <laughs> be forgiven, more on the Knights later in this show. Right. The Magic continue their trek. Tomorrow they're in Portland. Florida and UCF are hoping to move up. The new college football playoff rankings come out tonight. The Gators were ranked 11th last week, the Knights 9th. Florida ended the regular season 9-3 and three after blasting rival Florida State 41-14 to 14 on Saturday. What a great game. I got to tell you, and right here on WFLA, sure was. you know, the flagship of your Gator Nation stations, it was great to put that game on the radio. UCF is 11-0 after a 38-10 routing of South Florida. The Knights will meet Memphis in the AAC championship game this Saturday. I know you said you have more details on that. We absolutely up. will in the process. Aspect of a Gator Night New Year's Day Bowl Game Showdown. Say it isn't so. Stay tuned. It isn't so yet, but it Ooh. could happen. We'll talk about it. I'm excited. WFLA News Time is 6.07. You can read about genetically edited babies. Believe that. Online at our website, WFLAOrlando.com. Let's kick off the first morning of good, uh, first hour of Good Morning Orlando right now. What do you say? Buddy? Use your smart speaker. Tell Google Home to play News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa Fox bringing us the news all morning here. Top and bottom of the hour, whenever it breaks, you know the drill. Yaffe, you've heard from. He's at the controls, our amazing executive producer. Taking your phone calls will be Stephanie at 407-916-5400. You want to talk about the border situation? I've got it from a number of angles, and we're going to have a live report from the border about 15 minutes from now. If you want to reach us by phone, 407-916-5400, toll-free, 866-916-5400. And the text line, always open, never busy, 23680 there. Standard message and data rate supply. Good morning, Orlando, the Tuesday edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, pound 250, keyword, real estate. Let's get right into the border. And boy, was Trump right about what was going to happen and the threat to our sovereignty that would be posed. Remember how he was mocked during the campaign by the likes of Obama and anti-Trump White House reporter Jim Acosta? The president nailed it. It is not even debatable this morning. There's a lot to talk about. We'll dive right in right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you here in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. Stay tuned right off the top of our next talk segment here. We're going live to the border. San Isidro on the U.S. side, Tijuana on the other side here. You know what's been going on uh, over the weekend in particular, and it is still a very tense situation here now as those migrants from the big caravan, and there are other caravans behind them coming, that came out of Central America and essentially broke into Mexico, and Mexico pretty much just rolled over and played dead and let them do it. Now they're living with it, and they say they can't handle it up in Tijuana. The caravan has arrived there, and it's a, it's a mixed cast of characters, several thousand of them. And uh, the U.S. believes that there are about 5,000 criminals within, make that 500, 
within that particular caravan. It is mostly young men, some women, some children. And when they stormed the U.S. border, the Border Patrol, backed up by the U.S. military, that did not play an active role from what we can see at this point in time, but they are there on the border, at the order of President Trump, did what was required to keep people from breaking into the United States of America. Tear gas was used. The Border Patrol said it was the least dangerous thing we could do. No lingering effects. But the left is grabbing this and running with it and accusing the president of everything from violating the Geneva Convention on Chemical Weapons, for God's sakes. It's tear gas. Never mind that Obama, when he was president, ordered the use of tear gas on the border to keep migrants from crossing into this country illegally several times. The left wants to give the Obama, one of their favorites, a pass, of course. But this is what they used. They used the tear gas. And they had moved, the migrants had, I'm sure it was a strategy, they had moved women and children to the front. So whatever was done to keep them all out of this country from breaking into this country illegally, okay, would make the Border Patrol and, by extension, the president look bad. The president defended the use of tear gas and once again affirmed what he has said far and wide for months. Illegal aliens in these caravans or coming from any other source are not getting into the United States other than legally on his watch. Here he is. They were being rushed by some very tough people, and uh, they used tear gas. And here's the bottom line. Nobody's coming into our country unless they come in legally. So what about Obama during the campaign, who was blasting Trump and campaigning for Democrats and saying, you know, that the president's all hung up on this caravan, making them out sound like they're going to be some kind of a threat. These are just a bunch of poor people looking for a better life coming out of Central America. He's making it sound like this is some kind of an invasion. Well, how does it look now, Mr. Obama, and the rest of you lefties out there? How does it look now? Jim Acosta, the White House correspondent for CNN, Trump hater, extraordinaire, of course, got into it with the president who shut him down. Remember that at the news conference? And he said, Mr. President, why are you lying about the caravan? Why are you lying about the nature of the people in it? Why are you lying? This is no threat. They are hundreds and hundreds of miles from the United States. And the rest of the anti-Trump media machine said, at the very best, it was nothing but a campaign stunt when the president sent the military there to back up the Border Patrol. Well, how does it look now? The president absolutely had it right. Good morning, Steve in Melbourne. Yes, good morning, bud. Welcome back. Uh, Thank you. Former guy in the White House, Jim Acosta. You know what? They can go pound sand. Illegal immigration. This mob is by La Fronteras from Chicago. El Soros. This is not grassroots this is organized and when you see these punks throwing rocks and other stuff at our border patrol agency enough enough Thank no you. one watches cnn besides when you walk through uh, airports yeah they got it uh, sewed up at the airports 
I hope that changes as well. Thank you, Steve. We'll take more calls on this border situation here uh, as the show progresses. But in a moment, we're going to have a special live report actually from the place on the border where all of this mayhem occurred over the weekend. Right now, let's get a live close-up look on the border situation with Mexico as we get on out to Southern California and check in with News Radio 93.1 correspondent James Rojas, who was at the border crossing at San Isidro, California, Tijuana, Mexico, on the other side, which was ground zero for the border showdown that was so ugly over the weekend. James, it's great to have you with us on Good Morning Orlando. What's the situation out there on the border right now? Yes, good morning. Yeah, things are fortunately much more calm today and yesterday compared to what we saw on Sunday, where, as you mentioned, hundreds tried storming the border. And then the follow pushback that we've seen video of, of Border Patrol using tear gas. And, and Sunday's action has actually angered much of the caravan. Migrants who stayed behind uh, are now worried that their chance of asylum has gone down dramatically and, and many are so upset and deflated that some have decided to, to pack up and go back home to Central America. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. I knew that Tijuana said we can't handle all of these people here. Uh, and, you know, if anybody steps out of line, we're going to have them deported. But there may be some self-deportation now in progress. Yeah, that's right. You know, after traveling uh, over a thousand miles and, and, and all, most, most of it on foot, yeah, a lot of people believe that what we saw on Sunday has completely uh, squashed any chance or, or any possibility of their asylum applications being accepted. On Monday, uh, we even saw uh, Mexican security forces stepping up their presence at the, at the sports complex where many of these migrants are being placed in tents. And, and Mexico's interior ministry says anyone trying, trying to violently cross the border again will be deported. And in fact, from Sunday's demonstration, we've, we've seen at least 98 people already deported. But, but as I mentioned before, people are, are so deflated by what they saw. Again, this group of about 5,000 migrants, um, of that group, 500 split apart. And it initially began with a demonstration to, to show the frustration uh, over the, the, the slow process and, and the conditions that they're facing at the, at the camps where, where, they're, where yeah. they're situated right now. Uh, but... Uh, you know, right now it feels like uh, people are trying to to stay low, trying to let this uh, pass over, and and hopefully uh, get get the chance to, of asylum. A couple of quick questions. We have about a minute left here. James Rojas talking about his experiences on the border by Tijuana and San Isidro, uh, California, at the at the main crossing point there over the weekend. Has Trump? And the new administration incoming with Mexico been able to work out something to deal with these uh, migrants and keep them in Mexico. I know that was the goal of the president here uh, until their asylum uh, cases were adjudicated, which is a lengthy process. And what about other caravans that may be coming up behind this one from Central America? So we understand that today uh, federal officials from Washington, D.C. are expected to make their way uh, to San Diego, uh, to the border, and have this roundtable discussion. And, and presumably that is when uh, they, they will try to sit down with Mexican officials and try to come, come, with, uh, come down to an agreement of you know, uh, whose role, uh, uh, what, uh, what does what, and, you know, and, and 
who really picks up most of the caravan because that's that's what everybody's wondering. And so yeah, so we we should be having a roundtable today uh, near the border, hopefully with a with a deal uh, made up. But as you mentioned, we do have another caravan. Uh, they're actually they should be in Mexico City by now of about of around two thousand or three thousand or so, mm-hmm. uh, expecting to make their way up here too. All right, thank you so much. Great job covering the border for us. Spent all weekend there. News Radio ninety three point one correspondent James Rojas at the San Isidro, California, Tijuana, uh, crossing all weekend long and reporting live from Southern California. Thanks for coming on in what for you is the middle of the night, James. We really appreciate the update. Yes, very yeah, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hopefully he can get a little bit of rest right now, but we wanted to bring you that right off the top. Gaffey, looks like uh, maybe the Trump strategy here and approach to this, you know, zero tolerance for illegal immigration on the southern border, Looks like it's working, at least for now. I'm encouraged. Well, yeah, I agree. There's no way they're going to keep coming if uh, they if they realize they're not going to be able to get in. We'll talk so. more about this a little later in the program. News update right now. Melissa Fox alongside me just came down from the uh, newsroom. And uh, Melissa, a name we haven't heard in quite some time back in the news this morning. Yes, Casey Anthony's father, George Anthony, has what are called incapacitating injuries after a weekend crash on I-4 down in the Daytona Beach area. Highway Patrol says Anthony was driving his wife's SUV when it went off the right shoulder. He tried to get back on the road, but it flipped over several times, coming finally to rest in the median. As you recall, his daughter was found not guilty in the 2008 death of her young daughter, Kaylee. The news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. If you think it's chilly, Central Florida, you better start praying for our friends to the north. Much of North Florida and the Panhandle will be under a freeze warning from late tonight through tomorrow morning. The National Weather Service is predicting overnight low temperatures from the upper 20s to the lower 30s in an area from Defuniac Springs to Tallahassee to Lake City. Residents are advised to protect crops and sensitive vegetation, and those in hurricane-impacted areas are urged to check on individuals and temporary housing, especially if they don't have adequate heating. Yeah, that's the kind of uh, misery they sure don't need up there after Hurricane Michael. Really early. You've been around Florida a long time to get a freeze warning even up there, I think. Yes, it is rather early, according Mm -hmm. to the National Weather Service. Mm -hmm. Oldman is accused of attacking her husband with a hammer in Escambia County. Pensacola 34-year-old Jennifer Hunter was arrested for aggravated battery. There's no word on the man's condition, but police say he appeared to have suffered a broken nose. They think the attack happened during an argument. Facebook is investigating an app that claims to vet babysitters, and Twitter said we're blocking it altogether. The app is called Predictim. It offers a service that digs through a prospective babysitter's social media activity looking for posts about violence, drugs, and other undesirable content. Critics say trusting algorithms to give advice on whether to hire someone is a bad idea. Earlier this month, Facebook revoked most of Predictum's access to users after deciding it was violating the social media giant's policies on using personal data. It's now investigating whether to block the app permanently. Twitter said, yeah, we already did that. Cyber Monday is heading for an all-time online shopping record, according to NBC's Jolene Kent. Says you shouldn't feel too bad if you think you missed out on all of the great deals yesterday. As foot traffic at malls and stores sinks, retailers like Macy's, Dick's, Petco, and eBay are stretching their online discounts till next weekend, calling it Cyber Week. 
U.S. shoppers will have spent a record $7.9 billion by the time everything ended at Pacific Time midnight yesterday. The pace and the dollars picked up as West Coast shoppers got off work. They started searching the Internet for deep discounts. Everything from Lego sets to big screen TVs and by early evening sales were up 20% over last year. I think that surge also helped because of mobile phone purchases. Oh, yeah. Hot items for sure. Very big. The dollar is the highest in nearly two weeks after President Trump said he'll go ahead with tariffs on Chinese goods. That's jacking up worries about a U.S.-China trade war and increasing demand for the dollar. Trump told Wall Street Journal he expects to raise tariffs to 25% on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. The British pound is down after Trump said yesterday the agreement would allow Britain to leave the European Union and that could trade uh, hurt trade between the U.S. and the U.K. WFLA News Time is 6.37. I'm Melissa Fox. You can get these stories and more at WFLA Orlando. Time to check in with the Bloomberg Business Minute. Is that right? Not a Bloomberg Business Report, Report. with our friend Gina Cervetti live in New York City. Melissa, thank you very much. Yaffe throws the switch and we bring her in. And good Tuesday morning. Good to be back with you, Gina. How are you? I'm fine, bud. How are you? Welcome back. Well, thank you. I'm doing just fine. Good. Really, really concerned about how uh, the market is going to react to the big cutbacks at General Motors. I know you mm. have something on that as we check out the uh, stock futures here and anticipate this day of trading on Wall Street. Well, Melissa was talking about these uh, tariffs that might be coming down the pike as President Trump was speaking to the Wall Street Journal talking about that. And that's putting a little pressure on the stock futures this morning. But they don't look too bad. They are negative Dow futures down about 53. So that's a decline of just about two tenths percent. We're seeing crude oil steadying this morning up slightly at $51.82 a barrel. It's been really on the decline lately. Uh, yesterday on Wall Street. Nice rally to kick off the new week. And after the Thanksgiving weekend, Mm -hmm. we had beaten down tech shares, leading the strongest session. In fact, in two weeks, many retailers were higher on a strong start to the holiday shopping season. We had the Dow up 354 points to 24,640. S&P rose 41, or about 1.5%. The NASDAQ jumped almost 2%, has a lot of tech companies in it. The Bloomberg Orlando Index gained just over 1%. And but investors did applaud the moves by General Motors. Shares were higher after the car maker said it would cut more than 14,000 jobs, close five plants in North America, and eliminate unpopular sedan models. Yeah, I guess it's because they're getting their fiscal house in order, but it's awfully right. tough on everybody losing their jobs. And Absolutely. Gosh, you know, I mean, we all bailed General Motors out to save them during the, you know during the big downturn a decade ago, and here it looks like they're in trouble again. Pretty disturbing news on that front. Now, Melissa was also talking about how things went on Cyber Monday with holiday spending. What can you Mm -hmm. tell us, Gina? Well, it was a good day. Adobe Analytics said Cyber Monday sales were projected to hit almost $8 billion by the end of the day, making it the biggest online shopping day ever in the U.S. That would be an increase of almost 20% from a year ago. And then Amazon came out today saying this year Cyber Monday was its biggest shopping day ever. Amazon says its customers ordered more than 18 million toys, 13 million fashion items on Black Friday and Cyber Monday combined and says that sales by small and medium-sized businesses grew by more than 20% year-over-year on Black Friday. Amazon also said its Whole Foods market broke its all-time record of turkeys sold during Thanksgiving. How about that? (laughs) Interesting story on Disney and Fox being sued by a Malaysian casino, Gina? 
That's right. The two companies are being sued by the owner of Malaysia's only casino resort for pulling out of an agreement to sponsor a Fox World theme park outside Kuala Lumpur. Genting Malaysia is the name of the company. It seeks more than a billion dollars in damages, claiming Disney does not want Mickey Mouse to be associated with gambling as Disney moves toward its acquisition of Fox assets. Fox declined to comment on the lawsuit. Representatives of Disney did not respond to a request for comment immediately. And before you go, Gina, I remember the old song, some of our listeners may as well, that breaking up is hard to do. Neil Sedaka, <laughs> as I recall. Yes. Uh, that can be true in the corporate world as well. And uh, case in point, perhaps, United Technologies. What's going on with them? Well, United Technologies is a company that owns other units that you're very familiar with. It is going to break itself up, and this caps months of pressure on CEO Greg Hayes to separate the aerospace operations from its elevators and climate controls units. So United Technologies will keep its aerospace business and operate with two divisions, Pratt & Whitney Jet Engines okay. and Collins Aerospace. Otis Elevator and Carrier, which makes air conditioning systems, is going to be spun off as independent companies. Big changes for United Technologies. Thanks for the update on all the world of business and finance and uh, Wall Street, of course. Gina Cervetti with the Daily Bloomberg Business Report, live from New York City. Great to hear you again, Gina. Catch you tomorrow morning. Thanks, bud. All right, good deal. Coming up here, I've been away on Thanksgiving vacation, so I have some topical leftovers, some as sweet as apple pie, some as bitter as those turnips I try to avoid. And I'll share them with you here in a moment. Right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. Yeah, I haven't been with you um, since I grabbed some vacation time in advance of Thanksgiving. So um, I've been taking a look at the topics that have been out there here. And they are kind of my news talk leftovers, if you will, in the wake of Thanksgiving. Some of them are sweet like apple pie, pumpkin pie that I love, ice cream on top, you know. And some of them leave a real bitter taste in my mouth, like turnips and rutabagas. They keep trying to serve me, and I won't eat them. Yaffe, here's the sweetest one of all. The undefeated UCF Knights play for the conference championship at Spectrum Stadium on the campus of UCF, your alma mater, this Saturday against Memphis. Memphis is the one team that gave UCF a real scare as a matter of fact, we only beat him, correct me if I'm wrong, early in the season by a point. Wasn't it like 31-30? We had to come from behind to do it, and now we've got him again. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the yeah. score was, but it was close. Yeah. Of course, their great quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, is, is hospitalized with what is referred to, although specifics are few and far between, as a devastating knee injury that required surgery. And, and I'm, I can't remember having a more emotional reaction to seeing a player go down that I've never personally met in my life. And I think a lot of people felt that. And, yeah. and, and, and it's just been the most painful thing to think that, that he has to go through this. And we hope and pray that somehow he'll be able to get back and play the way he has played before. Yeah, um, he's such a competitor, and he just seems like a really nice guy. And yes. both teams were on the field, yes. you know, kneeling down. Well, here's so. the, the, that, that, that's an awful story. How can there be any sweet leftovers? Here you go. 40,000 Hawaiian lays. Mackenzie Milton came out of Hawaii. He was not heavily recruited. Remember that? Scott Frost 
um, was the one who got him to come to UCF, and then Scott Frost left for Nebraska. Probably wishes he hadn't. And now Josh Heupel has um, has uh, led as head coach the UCF Knights to another undefeated regular season. In honor of Mackenzie Milton and in support of his recovery, 40,000 Hawaiian lays will be handed out to fans in attendance this Saturday. That's sweet. That is oh, I sweet. did not know that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really amazing. And then here's something that could be sweeter still. I was talking to Mike Bianchi, who hosts the uh, open mic show on our sister sports station, 96.9 uh, The Game. He and I work right down the hall from each other. And um, and he said, you know, bud, there could be an amazing matchup on New Year's Day if UCF can win this game against Memphis. And they're going to try to win it for Mackenzie Milton. It could be. UCF against the Florida Gators in the New Year's Day Peach Bowl in Atlanta. The Peach Bowl is where UCF beat heavily favored Auburn on a New Year's Day bowl game last year. Remember? That's sweet. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll be even sweeter when they beat the Gators. There you go. I know Stephanie in here doesn't want to hear that, but. Well, she's a Gator (laughs) grad, and I get that. It will never happen. you got to support your gang there. But it would be an exciting matchup, and I know you'd be watching. Who wouldn't be? My goodness. I hope hope and pray that it happens. Now, all of my leftovers are not quite as sweet, but I'm really glad to see in the wake of the Parkland School Massacre that we have a key law enforcement officer who sees things the way I have from the start, that we need legislation changed in Florida that allows the option on a voluntary basis of teachers being trained and armed in school as a last line of defense. I will tell you why Pinellas County Sheriff Bob Gualtieri now sees this differently than he once did. And more Thanksgiving leftovers here on the 50,000 Watt Front Porch coming up. In rapid fire fashion, let me serve up a couple of my Thanksgiving leftovers here on the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. It was good to read over the holidays that the sheriff who was leading the Florida State Commission investigating Florida's high school uh, massacre at Parkland, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School last February, he once thought that the um, the state was right in not allowing in the legislation that was passed post-Parkland Massacre, not allowing teachers, with rare exceptions, if they're like military veterans or whatever, um, to, on a voluntary basis, be armed with guns to take out a mass killer like a Nicholas Cruz at some point, God forbid, in the future. He now, though, sees it another way and says... This is um, Pinellas County Sheriff Bob Gualtieri over in the Tampa area. He's going to ask the panel. He is the chairman of the um, of the Public Safety Commission on all of this that reports to the governor in January. He's going to ask that panel to recommend state law be changed so teachers who undergo background checks and extensive training will be allowed to have guns on campus as a last line of defense. I've called for this since right after this horrible massacre. And he says, you know, we took a look at a lot of the video and analyzed exactly what went down. And um, it, it, it shows that Nicholas Cruz stopped firing five times to reload his AR-15. And there was nobody there to take him out. And he could have been taken out right at that point and dramatically reduced the carnage. We had 17 people slaughtered and 17 more people injured, many of them grievously. So now he sees it another way. And I, he's an influential man, Sheriff Gualtieri, in that panel. And he chairs it, and I hope he can make the 
legislature open up that option. Uh, what else? Yaffe, you talked about this in my absence yesterday, how Trump got into it with uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts when, uh, you know, when, when, when Roberts claimed that, you know what, you're wrong, President Trump. We don't have a biased judiciary. We don't have Trump judges and Obama judges. He is, he is just, he's a very smart man, Roberts, but I think he's absolutely got blinders on. Of course he does. It's naivete at its best. It's outrageous at its worst, Mike, at its worst. <laughs> You're absolutely right. That left a bitter taste in my mouth, and the president shoved it right back at him, and I'm glad he did because we <laughs> have an incredibly politicized judiciary. Of course and, they are. Yeah, we're going to bring that up with uh, our legal expert, Jeff Kaufman, when I do the legal brief segment with him tomorrow on our 8 o'clock hour. Well, I remember Jeff Kaufman last week even brought that up, that what happens is a lot of times when these cases are filed, they look for the judges that will best support their case. That's what they do. They shop around because they know the judges are biased. There you go. One more thing from my um, menu of leftovers, topically, from Thanksgiving here. The climate change report that came out on Friday. The, 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 these regular co- climate change reports date back to the Obama administration. There's another one that was coming out now. You know, and, and of course, it said that things are getting worse. Something has to be done. They're sounding the alarm. You know, uh, and, and Trump said, listen, we're not going to be able to do anything here to hamstring the American economy if we don't have China on board, if we don't have India on board, which are huge polluters here. You know, there's no way that we can make a significant impact just on our own, and and we're not going to do what the left wants us to do. And he accused, and I think from what I read, this is very detailed stuff, that what was done there is done too often. They cherry-picked statistics to make it look as bad as they could make it look because there are people who are putting these reports together who are driving their own political agendas, and we're calling them out on it. That's it for my Thanksgiving leftovers. Right now, we're going to get some fresh news at the top of the hour with Melissa Fox. More on this chilly weather. How cold for how long? And Education Secretary Betsy DeVos surveying Hurricane Michael damage here in the Sunshine State. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. So glad you're with us. Good Tuesday morning to you at 6.59. Good morning, Orlando. Great to be back from vacation with you on a brisk Tuesday morning here at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. I'm Melissa Fox. Our top stories this morning the weather is a changing. Also, Cyber Monday numbers are in. We'll have details coming up in one moment. And I'm going to make the case that you and I may just have saved all of Florida from Governor Gillum. The story next on Good Morning Orlando. 703 on News Radio 93.1. Cyber Monday is heading for an all time online shopping record. U.S. shoppers spent a record $7.9 billion. The pace and the dollars picked up as West Coast shoppers got off of work and started searching the internet for deep discounts on everything. By late yesterday evening, sales were up 20% over last year. It is said that people went to their beds between 10 and midnight and did the majority of the shopping then. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is a trend that's not going to be reversed, and the bricks-and-mortar stores are struggling with it mightily. Yes, they are. The news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
A winter storm loaded with treacherous weather is marching into the northeast after hammering much of the Midwest this past weekend. National Weather Service predicts heavy rains will turn to snow in New England. Upstate New York and northern Maine could see snow accumulations of more than a foot. The storm is making a mess of travel as more than 2,900 flights have been canceled and more than 18,000 flights have been delayed. Boy, this global warming's killing us, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. President Trump's Secretary of Education is assuring school officials in the panhandle that her agency will stand with them during the recovery from Hurricane Michael. Betsy DeVos visited Cedar Grove Elementary in Bay County, said she was impressed with the way that school is integrating displaced students from Springfield Elementary. Congressman Neil Dunn, Superintendent Bill Husfeld accompanied DeVos on her tour. She also had a stop at Rutherford High School. Many of the more than 5,600 Central American migrants camped at the U.S.-Mexico border in Tijuana don't know what to do. Some migrants are looking into seeking asylum in Mexico, but many are worried they'll be deported if they leave the camp. Their mood was subdued yesterday, a day after U.S. Border, uh, border Patrol agents um, said that the, the tear gas they used to drive back hundreds and tried to rush the border fence, so they were a little upset about that. But Tijuana police and federal officers, along with Mexican immigration agents, have lined the streets outside the sprawling migrant camp, and they're stepping up the law enforcement presence. Yeah, we're going to talk more about this in the 8 o'clock hour. I had a live report from um, a, a correspondent who, who was on the border all weekend long, and we'll get back into that topic in one hour, Melissa. Oh, I look forward to that. A Polk County architect whose work is known throughout the state is being remembered as an icon. That's how one developer describes Gene Leedy of Winter Haven. He died this weekend at the ripe age of 90. He was from West Virginia, but he made his mark in Florida with designs like the Winter Haven City Hall, the SAE Frat House at the University of Florida, and many private homes. A fellow architect told the ledger that Leedy believed in high standards and attention to detail. Man was a legend, one of a kind. Yes. A dog with quite the tale to tell is back with his rightful owner. A teenage girl in Hillsborough County found five-year-old Sinatra in Sefner this month. Sinatra, as in Frank? Well, he's a blue-eyed husky. (laughs) Okay. Through social media, she found the owner was a family in Brooklyn, New York, that had lost this blue-eyed husky over a year ago. They were reunited over this weekend. No one has any idea how Sinatra made it all the way to Florida, but... They're just very, very happy to have him back home. It's a great story. And, yeah, they obviously, Frank Sinatra was known as Old Blue Eyes, right? Right. And if you know husky dogs, you know they love to sing. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Really? I, um, I own you're, you're, No, I do. I actually rehome uh, Siberian huskies. People bring huskies to Florida. Bad idea, okay? I would think so but with that kind of fur. Right. So you have to keep them in the house all the time. Yeah. They sing. They sing? They sing. Yes. What do they? What do they sing? Daffy Siberian Husky Symphony. I'm sure you can find it on uh, YouTube. Okay, we're going <laughs> after that. Daffy, I think she's messing with me. I WFLA think she is. News Time is seven oh seven. You can read about a 13 year old girl who led police on a 100 mile per hour chase in a stolen van. That's on our website at wflaorlando.com. Let's kick off the second hour of Good Morning Orlando right now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Well, I'm going to sing a tune you haven't heard anywhere else here in just a moment. I've been thinking about this during my Thanksgiving vacation. 
And I think a case can be made, and by God, I'm going to make it, because I decide what we talk about on this program, and I always try to align it with what I think you might be most interested in, because, hey, if you don't stick around, all is lost. I think it's just possible that you and I together made the difference in the race for Florida governor and spared 21 million Floridians from leftist governor Andrew Gillum. Stay with me on this. I haven't lost my mind. I shut down over vacation, but trust me, I I still know what I'm talking about, I think. We'll let you decide that here in just a moment. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. We'll dive in on this interesting theory I have in a moment and see what you think of it, because I'll be taking your calls and text messages. Right after we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic here in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. I asked Yaffe and uh, Steph to check on the final margin of victory in the Florida governor's race. DeSantis over Andrew Gillum by about 33,000 votes, about 0.41%. Remember that? It went all the way, you know, went to the machine count, et cetera, okay? Um, it's interesting. I mean, that's like, you know, 8 million votes cast and, and, and just 33,000 votes making the difference. I remember very well in the run-up to Election Day, several times from this microphone, as we looked at one poll after another that had Gillum up, and I made the case for how out of the political mainstream on the extreme left wing of the Democrat Party, Andrew Gillum was, and what it would be like if he got his hands on the reins of power as governor of 21 million Floridians. And I implored you, go to the polls, but it's not enough. Talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your neighbors, get everyone you know who could possibly be a DeSantis for governor vote and get them to the polls. Yaffe, I remember making this plea several times in the run-up to Election Day and on the day before the election, making it more boldly than ever when the Quinnipiac poll showed Andrew Gillum up seven points. Well, we were both really worried about it, and we knew that turnout was going to be the key. Yeah. Well, now over Thanksgiving, over Thanksgiving, there was analysis— by a Democratic pollster and columnist, Steve Shale. I don't know if he's a pollster, but he writes for the, uh, for the Democrats. He's a Democrat political strategist here. And he did detailed analysis of how all of this went down. And it got me to thinking, my God, maybe we really made a difference here. I mean, was there any other major media outlet that you know of beside this show where there was a voice imploring people to get out and take everyone they know to the polls to stop Andrew Gillum. Was anybody doing that? I'm not aware of it on the radio anywhere else in this vast I-4 corridor, the Orlando market that we serve. I don't think it was on any other radio station. You weren't going to get it from the media. The Orlando Sentinel was in bed with Gillum, had endorsed him. The local television 
News doesn't really get into endorsing candidates like this. But I think most of them probably wanted Andrew Gillum to be the next governor of this state. But I knew it was a disaster in the making. And we were flirting with that disaster. And because the margin was so close, you know, I can't prove this theory. And I'm not one of these talk show hosts with such a monumental ego that he wants to take credit for everything that happens that he called for. I don't play that game. I don't need to be that way. But I've got to tell you, when I read Shale's analysis here, I really thought we may have just made the difference with the cry that I put out there on multiple occasions and even the day before the election, and you answered and you responded. The Shale analysis on this says Gillum wound up winning liberal Orange County by a lot, but the rest of the Orlando media market, and I'm reading from the Sentinel version of this story, which includes Volusia, Marion, Brevard, Sumter, and Flagler counties, plus Lake County, Gillum lost all four, or all of those counties, outside of Orange County, by almost as much as he won Orange County, the biggest county, okay? And it totally negated the liberal vote of Orange County, and that the Central Florida election results stopped Andrew Gillum from becoming the left-wing extremist governor of the state of Florida. It's his analysis as a Democrat political strategist. He's not giving us credit for it. I'm sure he doesn't even know I'm on the air. I don't even know where he is when he writes. But this is a Democrat political strategist saying in I-4 Central Florida right here, the I-4 corridor, this is where the difference was made that denied Andrew Gillum the votes he needed to become the next governor of this state. Maybe, just maybe, you and I made the critical difference for 21 million Floridians. What do you think? Could I be on to something here? 407-916-5400, toll-free 866-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. So based on the analysis of a Democrat political strategist, Steve Shale, I'm thinking we may have made the difference together here on Good Morning Orlando, with you answering my cry to get out and take everybody you know who could be a DeSantis for governor vote and get them to the polls. The way the analysis breaks down in Central Florida by this political strategist for the Democrat Party, he says the difference was made right here in the I-4 corridor. I don't know of another media outlet that was making that voter appeal repeatedly except us. Yeah, you know, we have one texter who completely agrees with you, bud, says, your rallying cry put fear in my heart, bud, so my family made sure we voted said the underground Trump voters who refused to answer pollsters came out in droves. Yeah, the unpollable pro-Trump vote, and by extension, mm-hmm. DeSantis vote. Absolutely. They don't want to talk to the pollsters. I'm like them. I, I'm, I'll hang up on them. I won't answer them or whatever. You know, and we showed them. We, we, we put Trump over the top in 16, 
And I think we just put DeSantis over the top as well. I, I think a case can be made. There is no way I can prove my theory on this. But when I take a look at the analysis of how the vote went down and what the difference was, and it was right here in the I-4 corridor where we broadcast, I got to thinking, you know what? The best audience in talk radio might have saved the entire state of Florida. I got to say here, there's good news and bad news. The good news is I think we really did make a difference. I think there's no doubt about that. The bad news is when you look at like Seminole County and the fact that Gillum won Seminole County, that is not a county he should have won. So we need to be concerned and we need to do better next time. Yeah, you're right. I was very surprised by that. Of all the counties that used to be reliably Republican, it was Seminole County number yeah. one on that list. Among yeah, the, the ones that are within the sound right. of, of our signal here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there we are. Let's, um, can, I, can I go to line two? Steph, are we ready to go? Can we do it? I want to take this call. Rita in College Park, on with the Bud Man. Am I making any sense to you here this morning, Rita? Yes, yes, Bud, very much so. Because of your constant appeal, to get out and vote this time was so important, it inspired me. And I, did, I got out and did my little campaigning. And because of that, two of my friends that would not have voted, and I explained to them, a lot of people still do, do not understand the platform for the Democratic Party, what it exactly stands for. And so I let them know. And I had two older gray-headed men here in College Park come to my door campaigning yeah. as a Democrat. And okay. I thought to myself, at their age, they're still being deceived. Very, very interesting. Thank you. You talk about the Democrat Party platform. Andrew Gillum was hanging 10 like a surfer off the left edge of the Democrat Party platform. That's what we were trying to prevent. I can live, because we've lived with a pretty middle-of-the-road Democrat in Bill Nelson for the Senate. I'm glad we don't have him anymore. But he doesn't scare me like Andrew Gillum scared me. I had to sound the alarm from the bottom of my heart, and you responded, and maybe we made a difference. I'm sure we didn't hurt any. Poor oh, shiver me timbers. A little nippy for you? Well, take heart. It could be worse and. uh as Melissa's about to share with us now, it is almost everywhere else, right? Right. Much of North Florida and the Panhandle is going to be under a freeze warning starting late this evening right on through tomorrow. The National Weather Service is predicting overnight low temperatures from the upper 20s to the lower 30s. Again, that's north of us, to Funiac Springs, to Tallahassee, to Lake City. Those residents are advised to protect their crops and their vegetation that's sensitive. In the hurricane-impacted areas, they're urged to check on individuals who are in temporary housing, especially because most of them do not have adequate heating as it's temporary housing. Yeah, that that is the most um, distressing part of this cold snap in the panhandle where folks who normally would just turn up the thermostat, have no thermostat to turn up because they have no home. In Volusia County, they are preparing rooms for the homeless and trying to get beds together. More details on that as we go. We expected to see daytime highs heading to the low 70s by the weekend. It's only Tuesday, bud. We'll make it. (laughs) We'll make it. This news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. President Trump is suggesting a nationally funded news network may be created to rival CNN. 
He was tweeting yesterday afternoon that CNN has the global audience and portrays America in an unflattering light. So the U.S. should fund another network and challenge CNN and change the American narrative abroad. What do you mean, like a conservative public broadcasting? Is that what we're talking about here? What is this? Channel 4? I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) The president and the network have had a troubled relationship, as you know, since the recent ban of their chief White House correspondent, Jim Acosta. That decision initially was reversed by a federal judge in a lawsuit that's been filed by CNN. So Mm -hmm. more details on that. A man who's been described as a street maggot. Maggot? Maggot, yes. Not magnet. No maggot. 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 Nasty. Mm. Is facing charges for shooting a police officer in Volusia County. We brought you the story yesterday. Daytona Beach Police Chief Craig Capri says Raymond Roberts, who's accused of shooting officer Kevin Hurd, uh, the shooting happened Sunday night near MLK Boulevard and South Street. Now, Capri expects Hurd will be okay. Roberts, who is 40 years old, is facing charges that include attempted murder. I've never heard a term like that from a cop. It's Street maggot. Street maggot. Uh huh. Yes. Pretty much uh, sums up his feelings about that guy. Mm. Bad actor. A man is facing charges for threatening to hurt a Seminole County deputy. Altamont Springs, uh, 25-year-old John Bourne the third, was arrested this weekend after a traffic stop near 434 and Wakiba Springs Road. Deputy C. Bourne failed some field sobriety tests, and while he was being driven to jail, he threatened to kill the deputy. Bourne is also accused of directing racist and anti-gay slurs at them. Another street maggot. Yes. Mm -hmm. A bad smell is responsible for leading deputies to find two bodies in Orange County. They were called to the home in Azalea Park on Forsyth Road when hazmat crews got out there. They they found the source of the smell, and uh, it was bodies decomposing. They've not identified the bodies. The deaths are not considered suspicious at this moment. Got any good news? <laughs> well, yes, I do. Earlier, we were speaking about my huskies. I you work for the uh, the rescue, the Siberian Husky Rescue. Right, right. And you have an Alaskan husky. Yeah. Well, no, Siberian husky. It's Alaskan Malamute, which is a bigger dog. Oh no, it's pickles and oranges. <laughs> is that is that even like like more different than apples and oranges? Yes, pickles and pickles oranges. And oranges. Okay, yes, I'm yes. going to get education here. Go ahead, go ahead, keep going. But huskies do sing. It's a howling. It's a singing. It's... You told me. <laughs> My goodness, that's it. No, that... they sing. They go... Is that is that your dog? Yep, and they will sing and be encouraged to sing, and then my little uh, my pit bull boxer makes it, gets on his front paws and ooh along with them trying to keep pace. No kidding, and they just sing like that three That's or four amazing. times a day. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle a full concert, Yaffe, but that's amazing. Oh it, yeah, it goes on for two or three minutes, and from what I understand, huskies can hear each other for about two miles. If you heard the vo- the, the volume, darned. you'd know. You'd be like, "Oh yes, yeah, clearly." I'd be very upset if that woke me up in the middle of the night, though. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> yeah, and they complain, they talk back, uh, yeah. all like that. So yes, huskies do. Yeah. I'm sad to tell you this one: fewer offices are throwing holiday parties this season. What's the deal with that? It's a new survey. Thirty-five percent of American companies said, "No, we're not going to do the office party next month." Uh, cancellations this year are not because of the economy. Really. Okay. Researchers say good. it has to do with the Me Too movement. Okay. Me- well, apparently management is concerned about inappropriate behavior and alcohol consumption. 
and groping and all that fun stuff that goes along with holiday parties. Really? Is that what goes along with holiday parties? Never one that I went to, but yeah, you know our either. sales staff here at iHeartRadio. Uh, I don't know. Pretty crazy. <laughs> don't go there after work with these people. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> WFLA News Time is 739. I'm Melissa Fox. You can get all these stories and more at WFLA Orlando. Let's go ahead and uh, get no, the... No, play the dogs again. I want to hear this one more time. <laughs> okay. These are huskies. Yes, Siberian huskies. Yeah. We like to refer to it as dueling huskies. Oh, man. Okay, all right. Stop. Make it a little stop. out of tune, a little flat, but okay. <laughs> yeah, is one this what, a little off. Is one's this, definitely loud. Is this what you sound like when you can't handle the hot sauce? <laughs> I can always handle the hot sauce, but... <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. I have a dollar that says we will have some texters that say that their dogs started singing to the radio. Oh, that could well happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Text us 23680 where standard message and data rate supply. How about that? <laughs> That's what I sound like when I'm running two minutes long, <laughs> which I am. Oh, my goodness. Time for the sound judgment game right now. Toll free is still open, 866-916-5400. Hey, Steph, what are we playing for this morning? Glenn Beck's coming to town, right? Yes, bud, he is. So we have a great pair of tickets to see Glenn Beck live, Addicted to Outrage Tour, on Saturday, December 1st at the Plaza Live Orlando. Tickets are on sale now. Visit plazaliveorlando.org for more info. you got great seats on us if you're our sound judgment winner. If you're trying to get in but it's busy, a wrong answer opens a line. You can grab it quickly, 407-916-5400. As we reported earlier, a major triumph for NASA and the U.S. space program as the Mars InSight spacecraft completed a 300 million mile six-month journey to Mars yesterday and touched down on schedule at about 3 p.m. our time. I want you to listen to the sound of the climactic moments in mission control and then use your sound judgment to tell me this, how many years has it been since NASA last landed a spacecraft on Mars? 30 meters, 20 meters, 17 meters, standing by for touchdown. Touchdown confirmed. Great moment and a great celebration. So how many years has it been since NASA landed a spacecraft on Mars like they did yesterday? Line one, go ahead. I'll take a flyer and let's go ten. No, it's less than ten, but thanks for getting us started. 407-916-5400. That line is open. Line two, how many years? Good morning, bud. I'm going to say two years. No, it's more than two Less than 10. Um, split the difference, and we'll be just about there. Let's go to line three. Tell me how many years it's been, line three. Let's go with seven years, bud. Oh, man, you're as close as you can come without being our winner. 407-916-5400. Sorry about that, but you're close. Line four, how many years? Eight years. No, you went the wrong way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, if you've been listening toll-free, you ought to be able to nail it. How many years? Good morning, bud. Is it six years? Oh, yeah, it is. 2012. You bet. Congratulations. You're going to Glenn Beck's show here in Orlando this weekend, my friend. What do you think? Uh, it's great. Uh, thanks so much, bud. Appreciate it. It's great having you on the 50,000-watt front porch. Thanks for being in our audience on Good Morning Orlando. It means a lot to us. 
Uh, thank you, but I'd love to listen to you every morning. Thank you. I do appreciate it. I'll write you a note of congratulations for winning the game, if you'll be kind enough just to give me your first name. Sure. This is Rob uh, from Orlando. Good deal, Rob. Thank you so much. You and Steph are going to have an off-air conversation. We'll get you those tickets, okay? Great deal. Thank you again, bud. Thank you very much, and congratulations. Good morning, Orlando. We roll on into the 8 o'clock hour on a Tuesday from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Melissa Fox bringing us the news this morning. Just uh, came on down the hallway, slid in alongside the Bud Man. She's going to have the news for you. More on the sudden outbreak of cold weather. How cold is it? How cold is it destined to be? And for how long? And Parkland teachers reassigned. All the news at the top of the hour. Then we are going to talk, as we did in depth in our 6 o'clock hour, about the showdown on the border and how the left is left flailing and going apoplectic because they know Trump had it right on the threat posed by those caravans out of Central America. We're going to talk about it, and I'll be taking your calls at 407-916-5400 if you want to get in early on the situation in the border and what you expect or want to happen next. The toll-free is 866-916-5400, and you can text me at 23680. Always open there. The text line, though, standard message and data rate supply. Good morning, Orlando, at 759. Good morning, Orlando. Great to be back with you here after an extended Thanksgiving vacation. It's 8 o'clock on a Tuesday as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you here and now on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. I'm Melissa Fox. Our top stories this morning is cold outside. <laughs> and George Anthony was in an accident. All that and more coming up in just a moment. We're talking border security. We're talking border showdown. You're next with me on Good Morning Orlando. 802 on News Radio 93.1. The father of an MSD shooting victim is praising what he calls welcome news. The Broward School District announced yesterday that four administrators at Stoneman Douglas High School, including a security specialist, are being reassigned. Ryan Petty lost his daughter in the February shooting, and he praised the moves. Teachers, though, are telling CBS4 News that the administrators have valuable institutional knowledge that's now going to be lost. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In related news, as I was saying, the teachers at Stoneman Douglas High School are planning to voice their displeasure over some recent personnel moves. The Broward School District announced yesterday that three assistant principals and a security specialist are being reassigned. Teachers are planning a protest today to show their opposition to removing what they are calling four integral parts of daily operations. They also say that these moves will hurt the healing process. That's interesting. I can see, uh, by virtue of what they went through there, that they would be concerned with those moves. I can see that. It's a very traumatic situation. Oh, my goodness, and it will be forever. Unfortunately. A woman's death in Osceola County is being considered suspicious. Kissimmee police yesterday identified the woman who was found dead outside of a Howard Johnson's hotel as Dana Stewart. An employee at the hotel found Stewart's body Sunday morning on West Vine Street. They have not released the details of her death, but police do say it seems suspicious because of how the body was found. The woman in charge of the country's education policy is liking what she saw yesterday in Bay County. 
U.S. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos visited Cedar Grove Elementary School and Rutherford High School yesterday to see how the schools are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Michael. DeVos said she's very encouraged by how Cedar Grove has integrated students from Springfield Elementary into the system since the storm. General Motors is closing five assembly plants. The Hamtrak assembly plant in Detroit, the Warren transmission plant, they're just two factories in Metro Detroit that will close. Dave Green is the president of the local auto, United Auto Workers Union in Lordstown, Ohio, where another plant is closing. I felt like somebody kicked me in the stomach. I've uh, been you know, working here for a long time. Baltimore operations in Maryland and the Oshawa Assembly in Ontario, Canada, are also being stuttered. GM's going to stop making six models uh, next year. It's amazing. you well, know. They're just poor performers. Well, so. yeah, it is. And they, they say they're gearing up for the future. Electric cars, driverless cars, and they need to be well positioned with a lot of cash on hand. This will save them billions. Fox Business is reporting this is all about bad management. We bailed out this company exactly. and saved them during the financial crisis of a decade ago. Which and, it's not and, the first time we keep saving them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I don't know how it's going to do, but and workers at the plants are for upset. those workers mm-hmm. just at the holidays to have the rug pulled out from beneath 14,000 or whatever it is, GM employees. Yeah, the GM CEO, Mary Barra, says the closing dates for each of the facilities are going to be different, but that production will end uh, by the end of next year. Yeah. And the now closers... I she'll still have a job. Oh, you still have an opportunity to transfer to another GM facility if you want to pick up your whole family and move states oh, is that away. Right? Yeah. yeah sure. mm-hmm. American and Japanese researchers are saying giving allergy shots to pregnant women could protect their babies against allergies all of the children's lives. The scientists say the special shots prevent unborn babies from producing antibodies that trigger allergic reactions. These shots could stop the development of allergies, including asthma, pollen, and food. Very interesting. Yes, they're doing it at San Diego County's La Jolla Institute for Allergy and Immunology. And a Japanese university is also joined in, hoping the shots could be commercially available within the next five to ten years. You can find this study published in the November issue of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. I'll check it out. WFLA News Time 807. Read about the pet peacock that took off with wild turkeys in Vermont. That's on our website at WFLAOrlando.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. Go ahead, bud. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. Clean handoff there. I haven't fumbled it, although you never know. I'm always a threat to Melissa Fox bringing us the news here this morning. Yaffe's our executive producer in the control room. Next to him, taking your calls, Stephanie, 407-916-5400. Your take on what's been going on on the border over the weekend. Yaffe talked about it in my absence yesterday when I took a final day of vacation. Um, and, and, and it looks to me like the president really had it right on the legitimate threat posed to border security by those caravans coming up out of Central America and green-lighted through Mexico. Where do we go from here on the border? What is needed? Does the president have one final shot at getting the wall funded during the lame duck session of Congress before Pelosi and the Democrats slam the door on that in all likelihood with the new Congress as they will control the House? We can talk about this together, and I'd like to get your take on it. We had a live report from the border in our 6 o'clock hour and it cut into the time where I really wanted to be talking with you. So we'll open up the phones, 407-916-5400. How are you feeling about the border situation right now? 
toll-free, 866-916-5400. You can hit the text line at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. Tell you one thing, there is no longer any doubt the president saw it for what it was, the legitimate threat posed by these caravans. You can't deny it based on what's been happening down around Tijuana now, can you? Let's talk about it together. And we will right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. You're with us in the six o'clock hour. We went live down to um, Southern California and talked with a reporter who spent all weekend on the border in the middle of that ugly scene where members of this caravan stormed the border to try to get in the United States illegally and were repelled by border agents using tear gas. Um, and, and, and the left, of course, is charging all manner of atrocities here, that this is a, some kind of a violation of the Geneva Convention on Chemical Weapons. Are you kidding me? Uh, no, they're not, but that's all they're left with right now. Then Now that it has been shown so clearly that President Trump was right during the campaign and it was not a stunt to gin up support with his base in the run-up to the midterm elections. When he called these caravans out of Central America, green-lighted by Mexico to head right on through their country, where they should have sought asylum, if that's really what they wanted to do in the next country that they would enter, and headed for the United States with an idea that they are going to just flat-out overwhelm our border security forces and get into this country. And he said, this is an invasion. Turn around, go back, because you are not getting into this country illegally. He has made good on that promise. And he responded yesterday to critics who said that it was just inhumane that tear gas was used when male members of the caravan pushed women and some children out front, knowing Obviously, whatever action was taken against those rushing the border would look as bad as it could look because women and children would be affected. Here he is. They were being rushed by some very tough people, and uh, they used tear gas. And here's the bottom line. Nobody's coming into our country unless they come in legally. And our border reporter in the 6 o'clock hour, Yaffe, I thought the news that he broke was there is evidence that there are a significant number within this particular caravan, and there are others coming up, but this is the big one, well over 5,000 with some hardcore criminals reportedly in the mix, that they're turning around and self-deporting. They're going back because they don't have any options here, and staying in Mexico is not exactly their idea of a better life. Yeah, that really is good news because this isn't the only caravan. As you mentioned, there are more caravans being planned right now to come up later this year and next year and later next year. So that would help maybe stop the precedent and maybe they won't come up. And now it's very clear that the president absolutely had it nailed. Remember, he got criticized during a campaign when Obama was trying to give the Democrats a boost and was blasting the president and saying, come on, these are just poor people from Central America. They don't pose a threat. This is no kind of invasion. They're way down there. It'll take them forever to get here. And they are here. And it, believe it or not, it's only been about three weeks since CNN's Trump-hating chief White House reporter Jim Acosta um, locked horns with the president during that contentious press conference. You know, and essentially said that the president was lying, that the migrant caravan was hundreds of miles away, was not an invasion. 
blasted him for a campaign ad that showed migrants climbing border walls, saying they're not going to be doing that. Well, all of what the president said when he shut Acosta down has come true. It is undeniable. So now what? During the lame duck session of Congress between now and the new year, when the House, as well as the Senate, controlled by the Republicans, there is an opportunity here to try and get this wall funded. Yaffe, there once upon a time was a deal with Schumer and company to get the wall funded, basically, in exchange for um, a path to citizenship for the Dreamer kids, the children of illegal aliens. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that if it gets us the wall. I'd like to see that offer get back on the table and get done. I mean, that would be nice, but it just seems like the Democrats don't want to make any deal. Well, this was, such a, this was such a big thing for them, the DACA kids, you I, know? I know, the Dreamers. I know. You know? So if they had that feeling of compassion, you know, maybe they, they can take a look right now and understand that across party lines, people are going to have a problem with what they just witnessed this past weekend down in Tijuana. Yeah, that's very true. It's just they don't have feelings of compassion. They have feelings of winning in 2020. <laughs> well put, my friend. 407-916-5400. What are your thoughts on the border situation right now? Could a deal be cut to get the wall? And would you be okay if it allowed a path to citizenship for the dreamers, so-called, the DACA kids? 407-916-5400. That deal was almost done once upon a time. Right now, I want to talk to you about your own personal border security, where you live. What are you doing to keep people that you don't know and don't want in your house from getting in your house and stealing you blind and maybe terrorizing your family Sometimes, as we know in the news, with tragic results. Well, how are you managing your own border security, if you will? If you don't have safe touch like we've had for about six years right now, believe me, you're not doing all you can to protect what you value most, your home and your family. Because only safe touch gives you the amazing 45-second alarm response guarantee, unique in the security industry. Nobody else will give you that. They're averaging about 10 seconds here in CJ's great Orlando-based operation of this great Florida-based company. I am so proud to represent safe touch. They got the two-way communicator. Only safe touch has it. It verifies your alarm. And it's Florida law that before authorities are dispatched, the alarm needs to be verified. Nobody does this for you faster than Safe Touch. Right now, you can get an amazing customized Safe Touch security system installed for free in your home if you just pay a small activation fee. Find out about all Safe Touch, Safe Touch, forgive me, can do for you and your family. All the prices out in the open. And you can arrange to have a Safe Touch professional come on out for a free in home consultation. You can't do better than Safe Touch. I love them. You will too. Get Safe Touch protected now. Go to the website to learn more safetouch.com, safetouch.com, state license number EF233. You know, the wall is so desperately needed, and I think there have to be more people who now believe that in the wake of what they saw down in Tijuana over the weekend uh, from this caravan with more coming out of Central America. I mean, what's the end game here? It seems to me the president has been talking about doing a partial government shutdown if he doesn't get the wall funded to his satisfaction. 
that they've got to take a shot at this during the lame duck session of Congress, because when the Democrats take control, likely under Pelosi as Speaker, I don't see how that gets done after the first of the year, Yaffe. Well, I mean, that's really the issue, what the Democrats are going to do. I mean, are they going to be able to do this even with how many Democrats are in there now in the lame duck? I mean, I'd have to look at the numbers. I don't know. It's going to be tough. What do you got on the text line there? We asked folks to weigh in on the border situation and the wall and where we go from here. One person says Trump will never get funding for the border wall. Never. Someone very pessimistic. Or optimistic. I'm not sure what side of the fence they're on. You know, yeah, so I'm not quite. It's tough to tell sometimes <laughs> on the text messages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree because um, uh, who knows on the text mm-hmm. line, it's tough. Got another texter who says, as much as my heart goes out to the legitimate people seeking asylum, law and order must be respected. They must be made to follow rules or our borders will become a free for all. And how can you believe that these people are just poor folks in tough circumstances who are escaping an untenable situation? and their godforsaken native countries of Central America, that they really legitimately want asylum and to become good members of our society in this country, seeking refuge when they assault the border and the people who protect it in this sovereign nation. What kind of a, hey, yeah, I deserve asylum message does that send? Yeah, that's a really good point. They're trying to break in illegally because they know they probably won't get asylum because they don't want asylum. They're not qualified for it. They just want economic opportunity. And that is not what asylum is all about. Right. You know, it's seeking political, religious persecution, literally fearing for your life. And yeah. the life of your family members. And there might be some in the group that are like that, but the vast majority, I doubt it. And you can't just let people in because they're poor. That would be millions of people who live in Central America are poor. Are we going to let them all in? I mean, come on. No. And I think all but the left-wing extremists now would have to say, we cannot have a situation like we just witnessed this past weekend in Tijuana. Exactly. Can't have it. Now, let's get about the business of seeing to it that we don't. If it's not the wall, what is it? What is it? They have no answer. They have no answer. Mary, good morning from Winter Springs. How are you, Mary? I'm good. How are you, bud? I'm very well. It's nice to have you on the 50,000-watt front porch. I just want to let every resident of Seminole County, Orange County, all over the country, if if these people come in, there's no doubt that taxes are going to have to go up because currently the amount of money that's spent on a monthly basis to house homeless people, and all this is public record so people can check this, is is tremendous. People don't realize how much money actually goes out to pay to house homeless people in hotels. So well, you, all these people well, we, and, in, and, and we, we saw that from the hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Um, we absolutely yeah. did. And your point is well taken. They will tap into the network of social services in this country um, because most of them, for at least the foreseeable future, are going to insist on that they need this kind of support from we, the taxpayers of this country. It's inevitable that taxes will go up. All right. Interesting. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for weighing in with your opinion. That is what it is all about. Bottom of the hour right now, Melissa Fox bringing us a news update. It's cold, in case you hadn't noticed. 
And as far as the Jacksonville Jaguars are concerned, that's about as cold as it gets in professional football. Bortles has been benched, Hackett fired, and the Jags trying desperately to regroup. Talking sports. And then I'm going to talk to you about the McKenzie-Milton mystery and get your take on it right after the news with Melissa. Good morning from us all. Good Tuesday morning to you at 8.30. How cold is it? Cold cold. enough that Melissa Fox is sitting here in a knit cap, (laughs) looking like she's about ready to put out to sea and hunt tuna. I told you it's my hemp (laughs) hat, not my longshoreman hat. (laughs) I'm going to go shuck some oysters and scallops after the sneezecast. Boy, it is is nippy this morning. I kind of liked it. It's refreshing after 97 degrees for more days than you can count in a row, it seemed like, all summer long. But I have to believe if it's chilly here, it's even colder not far north. What do you got on that? Oh, yes. Well, we're at 51 degrees here with a hopeful high temperature of about 61 by uh, this afternoon. But much of North Florida and the Panhandle, they're going to be under a freeze warning tonight right on through tomorrow. Overnight lows will be pretty low as well. We're expecting the potential for perhaps temperatures nearing freezing across the nature coast. Yeah, so it's time to bring out the coats, hats, and electric blankets, at least for a couple of nights here. Yeah, but we're going to bounce back. Yeah, oh yeah, we will. It's not too bad. News is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Outgoing U.S. Senator Bill Nelson is planning to deliver a series of speeches on the Senate floor over the next couple of weeks. The Florida Democrat told his colleagues yesterday he'll be commenting on various matters he has worked on during his three terms in the Senate. Nelson said there are great decisions ahead that will shape the course and the character of America in the 21st century. He is succeeded by Republican Rick Scott. That'll start January 3rd. I'm sure that will be riveting. Texas Congressman Beto or Beto. Is it Beto? Beto? Beto. Beto. Never sure. O'Rourke? Yeah. The guy who lost to Cruz. That guy, yeah. He has decided he might make a run for the White House in 2020 after all. Good. Bring it on. Shocker. The Democratic challenger came in a close second this month in his race to unseat Republican Senator Ted Cruz. And during that campaign, O'Rourke said, I'm not going to run for president in 2020, no matter how much the Senate race turned out, badly or good. But then again, he's backing away from that campaign promise like they do. Yeah, all the Democrats will lose an election. They think, "Okay, that qualifies me to run for president. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but we seem to see a lot of that. At a town hall meeting yesterday in El Paso, he said... I'm going to give it some thought, but first I'm going to take some time off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gruesome signs of red tide. Did that wash away the blue wave? What? <laughs> so sorry. No. Red, oh, the, mm, oh, you're tying in the, I did the, red tide the, the ocean the blue and wave. the politics. Yes, I, like couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I've yeah. been away on vacation too long. I'm not sharp. Now I get it. Go ahead. We'll try it again. Gruesome signs of the red tide washing away the blue wave. Come back in southwest Florida. Over the last week, more than 20 dead dolphins have washed up in the beaches in Lee and Collier oh. counties, including two more found yesterday. They're doing tests, and they expect tomorrow that they will probably confirm red tide is the cause. While toxic algae has dissipated in the last months or two, tests from last week show there are still medium concentrations in some areas. Interesting. Wow. Mm. Now that we're past Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday and Cyber Monday, Travel Deal Tuesday is here. The Tuesday after Thanksgiving has really emerged in recent years as the best day for consumers to find deals on travel in that really popular post-Thanksgiving sale period. 
Liana Corwin is a travel expert at Hopper.com. She says the site analyzes billions of prices every day, and they found that over the last few years, Tuesdays after Thanksgiving have a big sp- uh, spike in fare sales for the airfare. Very low. So you should check them out because there might be some prices you're interested in if you're looking for travel. I like the sound of that. Jacksonville Jaguars are fired. Defensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Bench quarterback Blake Bortles after the team's seventh straight loss. However, we've got even worse news out of Duvall. The NFL has suspended Jacksonville Jags running back Leonard Fortnett. Fortnett? Oh, they should. Mm-hmm. And and the guy he got into it with in that game. Yes. Outrageous. One game, no pay. He left the sideline, ran across the field, threw mm. punches at Buffalo Bills defensive end Shaq Lawson. NFL Vice President of Football Operations, John Runyon, handed down that punishment yesterday. Fournette and Lawson were ejected in the third quarter of Buffalo's romp over Jag, 24-21 win. They continued jawing at each other as they were exiting the field. They entered the tunnel in the locker rooms that went on. Yeah. Fournette has three days to appeal that decision. Well, he shouldn't appeal it. He should just eat it for crying out loud and apologize, and so should the other guy. They bad image for the NFL, particularly when they're down on the runway. They're still jawing at each other and trying to get at each other yes. like a couple of thugs. Not good for the children. No. And today, National Bavarian Cream Pie Day. Yes. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yes. Each year on November 27th across the country, you observe this National Bavarian Cream Pie Day. All you do is take Bavarian cream or creme bavaros and pour it into a baked pie crust and refrigerate it. A French chef named Marie-Antoine Caramé is given credit for that invention. It's been since uh, the 19th century France. Fantastic. I love that stuff. WFLA News Time is (laughs) 838. I'm Melissa Fox. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. But what else we got? What else we got? I'm about to tell you right now, okay? We're going to get into the Mackenzie Milton mystery that I don't quite understand. Ooh, shrouded Um, in secrecy. Well, yes, yes. And why is that? Um, That we don't know more about the nature of that awful knee injury. My heart ached. I mean, I literally had an emotional reaction to watching that because I love the UCF Knights, and I love what he has meant to this team and his great story. Lightly recruited out of Hawaii, becomes this incredible star and a great, great teammate. Everybody seems to love him, and we wish him the best. But I don't understand why we have not been told more than we have. So we'll get into that here and see what you think is going on. I imagine many of you had the same genuine, deeply emotional reaction when you saw that horrible injury um, to the right leg of Mackenzie Milton, the great quarterback and the great guy and the great teammate, as everyone says he is, for the UCF Knights. Um, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I really felt it. And you could feel it in that stadium and on that team. And somehow they, they were able to put it all together and still win that game after he went out early in the contest against USF. Hospitalized with this um, devastating knee injury, as it continually is described. Having said that, I've followed sports a long time, and I've never seen a situation where we have gone this long after a serious injury of a star player in any sport without being told exactly what the nature of the injury is. We've had devastating knee injuries in football. We see them all the time. The great Eagles young quarterback Carson Wentz last year had a couple of terrible, terrible uh, injuries to his leg. But we were told very quickly what they were. I know with college players as well, okay, he's got a concussion. He's got a torn ACL or whatever. 
we've had almost no specifics other than it was a bad knee injury. And I've never seen anything like that, and I don't know what you make of it. Mike Bianchi from 96.9 The Game talking with Coach Josh Heupel about Mackenzie Milton's injury and recovery on yesterday morning's show and asked him, how is Mackenzie doing? In typical McKenzie fashion, you know he's he's a he's a fighter, he's a competitor, and and uh, there's obviously a traumatic uh, knee injury, and there's a lot of hurdles to cross uh, uh, to jump over here before uh, you know here in the coming coming months and those types of things. But uh, he's doing well here. Uh, first 48 hours, he's done uh, done really well. But no specifics beyond that. How do you account for that? I mean, I've never seen it before. It isn't like the family has just shut the media out. I mean, they've thanked everybody for their support, said he underwent surgery, he got through it, he's okay, he's coming along. Um, Coach Heupel asked by uh, Mike Bianchi uh, whether he expects uh, Mackenzie Milton to be back quarterbacking the Knights next season. Uh, I'm, we won't get into that here at this point, you know what I mean? And, and uh, the family will continue to release information as they, they want to. Uh, just as far as his, his medical updates with, uh, with the type of injury it is, I just... You know, at the end of the day, so it's a it's a personal and family um, uh, issue as far as what they want released and, and when they want that released. Yeah, and and you know what, I I can't judge the family in a situation like that. I try to put myself in that position, and if I had a son who was such a star and so beloved, I think I would want everybody to know what the specific nature of the injury is. Uh, but again, that's not my call. Finally, uh, here is uh, Bianchi with. Uh, um, asking Coach Heupel what his message was to Mackenzie Milton when he visited him in the hospital. I love him, and, and uh, this is, you know, a, a hurdle that's uh, been placed before him, and, and I know he's gonna he's gonna leap it and, and jump over it, and, and we're gonna take it one day at a time, and he'll get back, and he'll be he'll be better for it too. I and mean, it's hard to see it say and see that now, but uh, at the end of the day, I think we'll look back on it and see that. And those were just absolutely wonderful, heartfelt sentiments by the coach, and we share them our concern, and and from afar, our love for this incredible young man and great, great football player. But what's your take on this unique situation where we have now gone four days without any specifics on the injury? What is there to hide, and for what reason, the Mackenzie-Milton mystery? Thoughts? 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Truly, we pray the very best for Mackenzie Milton. We really do. I mean, I I just had such an emotional reaction, and I've talked to so many people who had the same feelings. There's something about this guy and the great team that he has led here locally, the UCF Football Knights, that has captivated everybody um, in a way and at a depth I think you don't frequently see. But I've really never seen a situation where you had a star player injured and after four days you had no specifics on the injury. I have to believe the doctors have talked to Mackenzie Milton about exactly what happened. I'm sure he's asked the question, okay, what happened to my knee? So I I just can't believe they're protecting him. He must know. Why would that not be shared with his legion of fans, Yaffe? What do you think's going on here? I have to admit, I was just as confused as you are when I first, I've been wondering for days. I figured the next day we would know what the injury was, and it hasn't been out there. The only thing I can think of is maybe they think it will kill the spirit of the team or something, and they Mm -hmm. want them to continue to go undefeated. So that's the only thing that came to my mind. 
I got to tell you, if that injury didn't kill the spirit of the team on that field against UCF, and it didn't. Against USF, yeah. That, that, that spirit is, is made of durable stuff, Mike. Yeah, that's true. And you're a UCF alum, you know. I know yeah, I don't think it would kill the spirit, honestly. No, I don't. I can't. I just don't buy that. I don't know that that's the reason. Here is John in Orlando before we go. John, any thoughts on why this is shrouded in mystery these many days later? Good morning, bud. Hi there. Yes, uh, I uh, was talking to an orthopedic uh, doctor the next day, and he said, well, tear the ACL, but if you tore the PCL also, it will be career-ending for him. So well, wait a minute. Didn't that, didn't that happen to Carson Wentz of the Eagles, and he's come back? Well, I'm not even sure about that. Okay. But, uh, just He's a great player. He is. Uh, McKenzie, and oh, yeah. you know, we all love him. Very we dynamic. Do. But uh, I think uh, it's something you know pretty severe that that's the reason why. Well, we hope and pray whatever it is that he can handle it, he can come back from it, because, boy, we love to see him play, and he deserves to play many more games here for UCF. Thank you, John. And then on at the next level. You know, if that's not to be, um, he's, he's a man with many great qualities, a fine young man. Everybody in that team just talks about what a great teammate he is and what a great guy he is. He'll have a good life, whether, God forbid, it doesn't involve football from here on out. I just don't understand why his legion of fans are, are, are not given the information that clearly, I'm sure, has been made available to him. But at any rate, we'll continue to follow the story. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Great to be back with you on the 50,000-watt front porch. Thanks to Yaffe for hosting in my absence. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.